We um, just finished a, a series about knowing God and um, recognizing the truth that um, to genuinely and truthfully know God, it, it's, it's a heart thing. It has to be in our heart. Um, faith and understanding of what we just celebrated, God's gift of grace, that, that He sent Jesus um, to die for us, to set us free from our sin, um, to know that that's true in our heart, not just in our head, and, and to know that that creates a change within us. And, and not the least of this, a desire then, as we, we initiate that relationship, just as it is in a lot of personal relationships, that when we, we know... Um, s- Someone and that they that they love us and that is that desire to grow in that relationship. It's certainly true if we know Jesus Christ and the import of what that means for us. Again, everything and the reality that it also takes time and intentionality. It just doesn't happen by accident. Uh, spiritual osmosis it takes time and effort to know God more. And so I wanted to start this morning as we start a new series entitled "Unleashed." A question, and it's a question that I hope that you ask yourself every single day during the season of Lent. And here it is. What is it that is preventing you from knowing God more? What is it that's preventing you from knowing His great mercy? What is it that's preventing you from knowing His peace? at a deeper, more meaningful level, in a way that reduces stress and anxiety? What is it that keeps you from knowing His power and seeing it unleashed in your heart and in your life? To know and experience the very power of God at work in terms of who you are from day to day. What is it that's keeping you from knowing His grace and His love? Just to keep asking that question you know i hope that every time that we meet every time that we we enter into the presence of god we read we spend time with god that we get answers and and we know more but i also hope that it generates a lot of questions because that prompts and stirs our heart if we're asking questions to seek and if we seek we'll find and discovering to learn more things about who we are. So I hope that that's true for each and every one of us. And for each and every one of us, the answers in terms of what's preventing us from knowing God more um, played out differently, but there's a lot of common things. There are things that each one of us are, are dealing with, things that are a part of our lives that's preventing us from going deeper with God that we could say is, is true for just about everybody over here, up there, etc., etc. Common things. They play out differently. They look differently. But we all deal with a lot of the same struggles. And here's something that I want to say that's true. And, and prepare yourself so this might sting a little bit. Kind of like, you know, you have an open wound. You ever put on like that? peroxide or something like that but you know it's going to be good well here's the reality a lot of what keeps us from preventing and knowing god is self-inflicted it 
heard that phrase, we're sometimes our own worst enemy. And when it comes to deepening our relationship with God and going further, I think it behooves us all just to to stop and think about what does that mean in terms of who I am and what it is that, that I'm doing. Uh, self-inspection, uh, introspection, and, and honesty about some of the things that we bring into our heart and into our lives that prevent us from knowing God more. But I have good news along with that. See, if it's true that that's a lot of things are, are self-inflicted, and I want you to get this picture and I, I, um, I really worked hard at I put a lot of time into thinking, how could I illustrate this? And I wanted to like build a little something so you could see it. And I looked for, for pictures all over um, Google, searching for images. I, I couldn't come up with any images. And I'd like to think I'm creative enough to, creative enough to come up with something, but I just ran out of time and stuff to build or whatever. So here's the deal. So if you would just see yourself as standing in a spot, and you see God in the in the in the distance and you want to to walk towards him and you want to have conversation and learn and hear him more all those things if you can just pitch yourself being in a spot and then coming out of your sleeves or your wrists or whatever there are strings everywhere all around you coming from you that are binding you and keeping you in place and so you try to move and you can't quite do it and you're looking at all of the strings and you know what they are but you're really struggling to be free from them. I think that's an accurate picture. And the hope as we go through and we look at different strings in terms of things that tie us down, that bind us up, is that we will have the boldness and the courage and the honesty to start cutting them. Then we'll have that movement. And we'll be able to walk and know and be maybe next week I'll be creative enough and I'll have something that helps with that but hopefully that gives you an image you can envision what I believe is true Jesus said um, this in John chapter 8 he said if you hold um, to my teachings then you really are my disciples and you'll know truth You know the next line? The truth will set you free. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, um, I hope that we get in this series entitled Unleashed, that the truth will set us free. Starting with truth from Philippians 1. uh, Philippians 2, excuse me, verses 1 to 11. I want to invite you to um, read it with me now and have you open up your hearts to it. It's about one of the strengths. Hear the Word of God. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility... Consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. 
taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of God, but it be written in your hearts and lived in your life. So if you um, you read that, um, whether it was electronically or from the Bible, and you looked at uh, your Bible, you'd see maybe in a large print a header. And I have it in my Bible. It's in the Bible. Uh, it's in the Bibles that are in the in the pews there, and and it says, "Imitating Christ humility." Imitating Christ humility. What is the greatest obstacle to humility? I, I looked up the definition of humility, and it is the, of course, condition of being humble. And then this phrase, it is the lack of pride. And, and as you look at verses 1 and 2, that really comes out. It, it's, it's not clearly stated, at least it's not there, it is in the next few verses. But it certainly is implicit. And I want you to, to look at those words in verses 1 and 2. And I want you to notice the very first word, do you see it? What's the very first word of chapter 1? Do you see it? Oh, they're going to put it back up there for you so you don't have to guess. If, if, and I, I take the um, numbers out, but the very next word of, uh, very first word in, in verse 2, do you see what that is? Yeah, now you're going to have to find it. It's then. So, so there's this if, and then there's a number of clauses and phrases and then in, in verse 2, it starts with then. Do you know that's a conditional statement? So it's saying if, if this is true, then this also is true. If this condition exists, then this condition exists. Jesus said that even in the words I just shared with you a few moments ago. If you really are my disciples, and then he says, then you will, if you hold to my teachings, you really are my disciples, then, then you will know truth. An if and then statement. And then that's what's being said here. And the bottom line and the, and the root of all of it has to do with, with having humility versus having pride. Being humble versus being prideful. And if you look at the, the statements that are being said in verse 1, and, and I love the, the terminology here. It's always good to look closely at what's being said, the, the small words. If you have any encouragement, from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship, if any tenderness and compassion, four clauses, all with an if, if this is true, and any, and not talking about being filled completely with, any is what? A portion, a part of whatever it is. If all of those things, and they're all relating to the presence and the person of Jesus Christ, So if you have any of that going on in you, then we read these words, verse 2. Then, make my joy complete, and then here it comes, by being like-minded, 
having same love, one in spirit and purpose. All of those thens um, are opposed to self. And so the person of Jesus having those things inside of you creates humility, not pride. These are the things that will happen, and, and they'll be, indeed, like-mindedness. They'll be the same love. They'll be the same spirit. They'll be the same purpose. We have that right in our sanctuary. There will be a humility, not, not pride. It's pretty powerful to think about, isn't it? About having the the heart set of Christ being humble like Jesus, having Him rise up in us and to be, always constantly having those things. I know it's a great thing for a body of, of Christ to have. Like mindedness, um, same love, same spirit, same purpose. And that would be humble enough to acknowledge that that's what's needed and that's who it is indeed that we're going to be. And I, and I wouldn't skip over what follows that first then, make my joy complete. And so if you start to put all of that together and you think about humility versus pride, you recognize that that brings joy to God. That that delights Him in terms of how we conduct ourselves and who we are in, in each and every situation, both personally and then collectively. Make my joy complete. It delights the Lord. And it sets us free uh, to follow, uh, to know Him, to be in His presence. And that's what's at work in verses 1 and 2, but then it gets really blunt. It gets really clear. Do you see that? Verses 3 and 4. Sharing, hey, here's, here's the reality. This is what I want you to move from. I want you to have this in you so this will be true. And then it just is, is right there. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. There it is. Spits it right out. Clear as can be. And is this not true? Is this not just, is this not a struggle? It's a struggle for everybody. And, and, I, and I know I say this a lot, but it's so incredibly true. That is really the pull of culture, especially these days. To have everything be about you. Because after all, you're entitled and you deserve it. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter if you've worked or made effort, you're entitled. Just being honest. That's the voice in the pull of culture. And by the way, don't worry about what you think or what you believe, because after all, it's all about you. You get to make your choices about what you believe, and that's always going to be true. But whatever you choose to believe is okay, because you get to decide. You can decide what is true. You can decide what is right, because it's all about you. And nobody can tell you any different. Nobody can squelch your ideology. Nobody can tell you that that's wrong, because if you believe it, it's true, because it's all about 
you. We have a real problem with truth. See, Jesus speaking into that. Selfish ambitions, vain conceit. I tell you, there's nothing more uh, incredible than believing you know better than God. And yet what we, we're hearing that and we're being told that all of the time. It's a real struggle. And I want to submit to you that that, that way of thinking and pride creates incredibly unhealthy relationships. We know that's true as well. Now there's a, a good pride, right? You, you should take pride in your appearance. You should take pride in your effort and in your work. There, there's a sense of sometimes being proud in a great way. And yet we also know that just so as that is true, there's also a sense of being prideful that's incredibly unhealthy and damaging. And all I would ask you to do is to think about the relationships with the people you have around you now or that are in your life. Maybe relationships that you've had and how pride has surfaced in those relationships in an unhealthy way, damaged, hurt, or even ended those relationships. You know, one of the things that I really struggled when I was in school, and it happens all the time, and it's true for any student here, no matter what grade you're in, that there are people who, who would communicate to you, maybe consciously or unconsciously, is this not true, that if you're their friend, you're going to be really, really, uh, it's just a privilege. You know, to be their friend, to be called their friend. That they would let you have that honor of being their friend. They're that prideful. Hey, is that, you ever had that? Holy cow, if you haven't, maybe you had an incredibly great school. I know it's true for my, you know, kids are like, ah, okay, you can hang around. Just walk behind me. You know, we go down the halls. Don't get too close. Everybody at some point in time in a working relationship or maybe in terms of friendships and you make you run into somebody who who knows everything and that pride exhibits itself he said i you know what no i i got i'm and then they'll proceed to tell you that they know everything and tell you everything that they think that you don't know i don't know i don't do too well with that <laughs> pride See, it keeps, it keeps, and here's a, that self uh, focus on self and self elevation keeps you from seeing other people. That focus on self keeps your eyes on things that God doesn't want you to keep your eyes on. Do you see it? What does He say right after that? Nothing out of self ambition, vain conceit, but in humility consider who? Others better than yourselves. See, the focus isn't always on who I am what I'm about but others and not only keeps relationships from growing and going deeper if there's problems or issues in a relationship pride keeps you from healing them and one of the things that I work on with people all the time is is, is coming back together again and there's one thing that I find that's true almost 
almost all of the time. When people have a disagreement and they're at odds, there is this sense of pride that keeps them often from reconciling and from walking together again. And a very clear term sometimes, it's not just a, um, about not wanting to admit guilt or wrong, it's about I am right and you are wrong. A- and I'm going to win. Sometimes even when people know that they're wrong, they're so filled with pride, it doesn't matter, I'm going to win. I'm coming out on top. Neither of those things always having to be right or or being driven by being right or wanting to win will ever repair broken relationships. Being humble and seeking to figure out how can we come together again will. Looking at the needs in the heart of others, figuring that out. And that's true for every single relationship we have. And here it is. It's true for a relationship with God. Humbly coming before God, seeking His presence, His truth. What it is that He has to say about who He is and who we need to be. And I love... Um, the example of David in uh, the battle that he has with Goliath and the humility that just pours out of him in that moment. I'm going to read a couple of words for you there um, in First uh, Samuel 17. And this is a moment, um, I'll just kind of really recap the story for you. This is a moment when, when David ends up giving this incredible uh, victory to the nation of Israel. But when he goes down and he meets Goliath, and, and you know, the words of Goliath, and speaking of being prideful, he's talking about tearing um, David apart. He's going to, um, I'll read it for you, give I'll give your, your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. I'm going to tear you apart. I'm going to make you regret this moment. And then you hear what David has to say. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. Then he goes on. He said, Today... The whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the, that the Lord saves, but the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into all of our hands. If there was ever a moment that He could have claimed some prideful things and said some prideful things, that was it. He could have said, today I'm going to rip you apart. Today I'm taking you down. Today I'll be victorious. Today I'll show you what it means to be a warrior. He said none of that. He gave all the credit and the glory to God. That's why he was somebody who God deeply loved. He said, this is a person after my own heart. 
David exhibited all that humility. And humility in his relationship with the great Lord our God. You know, that can be an issue for um, all of us, whether we know God or not. But certainly if we do, and even if um, we, we know God well, and we're mature followers of Jesus, and there's a, a clear truth that we need to, to ditch our attitude and be humble. That's verse 5. Your, your attitude should be the same of that of Christ Jesus. How you go about things, um, how you talk to people, how you conduct yourself, how you carry yourself. We have sayings about that in terms of attitude, needing an attitude adjustment at times. And there's a reason sometimes followers of Jesus and even those um, that are mature have a problem with their attitude. It's a really deep sea to dive into, to think about. And we know the titles and we know the charges. You think you're better than me? Holier than thou? We hear those things. Sometimes they're unjust. Sometimes they are. Because it's so easy, isn't it, to slip into this mode of, well, if you just would do what I would do. Just take a look at me, and then you'll have it all figured out. And we say that consciously and unconsciously. And yet the importance isn't who we are in terms of, of having other people see that. Um, what does it say? Your attitude should be the same of that of Christ Jesus in terms of directing people to Him, focusing on Him, giving Him the glory and the honor, imitating the very holiness and humility of Jesus. And when we said in the verses that follow, I want you to think about that as an example. This is an example for us to follow. Who being in the very nature, God. Jesus was God up in heaven, came, was born in human form. Easter is always a link to Christmas. In the very nature of, of God, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. Tell me if you can of, of an example as you read through the Gospels. And you look at the life of Jesus Christ. Whenever he said something like that, hey, I'm going to show you who I am. Watch this. Take a look at what I'm going to do. I'm going to blow you away with what I'm going to do next. I got all the answers. He was always focused on the Heavenly Father doing his purpose and on his mission. Always calling on the name of God. Despite having the power to calm waves, to create something out of nothing, to heal people, because he was God. These words made himself nothing. Start of verse 7. And emptied of self, looking totally to God to lead him, to guide him, to fill him taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. I think about that all of the time. Not all the time. There's other things I think about. But you think about the love of God. We celebrated it. Left the best place ever 
to come to earth, take on human form, than to go through what he did. Obedient, um, even death on the cross. That is truly the absence of self. He gave everything. Anything that would have been important to, to him, including the living of life, and gave it all. Because he humbled himself before God. And all he wanted to do was know his Heavenly Father and do his Heavenly Father's work. Because of that, we read what happens in verses 10 and 11. God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name above every name. And that's what we're called to do, to have humility and submission to Jesus. That at the name of Jesus, every name should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, every tongue confess. That's what humility is about as a follower of Jesus Christ. Not exalting self. Not saying, hey, look at me, this is who I am. Not trying to tell everybody else um, to be like us, but simply to follow Jesus Christ and to be, um, to be humble. What will that look like? Now, it manifests itself in a lot of different ways and is different for all of us. But I do know this. um, We can't imitate Christ's humility when we're being self-prideful. When we're letting that keep us stuck from following Jesus and experiencing his presence. And so, I want to encourage you. um, Take a closer look at this truth. Pray about it. Think about it. What ways am I being prideful? What ways am I letting um, self keep me from him? What ways are prohibiting me from being him in personal relationships that I have? Just ask that question. And be bold enough... um, to haul out a knife or some scissors and cut it loose from your life so you can be unleashed to follow Jesus. Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and your truth. Lord, we thank you for giving your spirit inside of us that causes us to to get uncomfortable. That's a good thing. We're seeking answers. Lord, I thank you for... um, the humility that I trust and hope everybody has, has displayed here by saying, I need you in my life. I, I hope that, that that humility has been displayed. Lord, that they recognize the need for your grace. That they can't live this life on their own. But Lord, that they need you. They need your grace, your body and your blood given and shed for us. Lord, work that in us. Um, in the fullness of who you are. Free us from uh, the pride that enslaves us so we can be free to follow you. We ask it in your holy and in your precious name. Amen.